0: Okay, friends, I'm going to invite you to return to your seats. Thank you. I know it's hard to stop a good conversation right in the middle. (laughs) I want to let you know we, we have a semi-annual meeting coming up um, the last Wednesday in November, so that's not this Wednesday, but the following one. We are going to have it at uh, the place where I rent office space, which is in the old federal building, the old post office downtown here across from the city hall. I'll send out directions and where to enter the building and all of that, and they got a, sort of an open space that we will use. They don't have chairs. Uh, I'm not going to make you sit on your butts and cross your legs like kindergarten, but we are going to actually ask that you bring your camp chairs. And so we're going to have sort of a camp out style business meeting where we have some family time, just do some family business, provide some updates. Uh, check in, have some prayer time, and keep the focus on how God is at work among us and how we should be faithful in responding and so on. So please make sure you put that on your calendar. I'm going to send out an agenda this afternoon, so there'll be an email reminder that you'll see in your inbox, and you can plan to attend for that. Now, you you did hear Megan mention it this morning, but for those of you who didn't hear or did not know, um, Tim Brooks passed on this week. So uh, he had a battle with prostate cancer, um, and we are grieving, right? For those of you who are are newer to us and maybe didn't know Tim, Tim and Lori have been a part of this church family for, I'm going to say, 30-something years. I don't think they were actually founding members, but came pretty shortly after. Um, And so have been with us for a very, very long time. And so we are are grieving for a sister and um, her family, her kids. Uh, they have two kids, Kirk and Heidi, who each have families of their own now. Um, Tim has uh, three siblings, four siblings still, and a mother. And so sadly, her mom, his mom, watched. Tim passed. She was actually there at the hospital, along with Lori and Kirk, who were able to be there, and some other family members. A couple of sisters were there as well when Tim passed. So he was surrounded by family when he entered the presence of the Lord. Um, So we we are going to grieve alongside them. There will be a funeral this coming Saturday. It's at Deer Park Alliance at two o'clock. I'll send out that information for you. Um, Lori had mentioned to me that. Um, in lieu of flowers. They would like um, donations sent actually to the the street ministry that, that Tim was a part of, that Remnant Church runs, the um, the lunch that they run each, I believe it's each Tuesday here downtown. And so um, when we get that information for where you can actually send that, or you can look it up online, but either way, that's, that's what they, she wanted me to pass along. And the family is asking um, for you to send, if you have memories of Tim that you wanted to share and pass along, they're going to collect those, and I will give you a way to send it to Heidi, um, their daughter. Heidi and Kirk are doing really well. Lori is also doing really well. Okay, and I am aware that people, you know, get into business mode and get through the tasks because there are lots and lots of tasks that have to happen as soon as someone passes on. Um, I'm aware of that, but Lori, you can tell Lori is doing well, okay? Lori is doing better than the last time that you saw her here. Um, it's not that she does not need prayer. She does. Um, she is still in Pinoka, Um, so she's staying here for a little bit when her kids come down and then going back to Pinocchio, and they're going to work that out long-term, Okay. Uh, Lori needs ongoing prayer and support from us, Um, but having spent some time with her this week, uh, as well as Kirk and Heidi, I can tell you they're doing well. Kirk and Heidi have a strong faith. That was one of the things that Tim used to constantly give thanks for, was that his children walk in the faith they were brought up in. Uh, His kids actually both attend ABA churches in their respective cities. Um, They are, they are, they have a faith to rely on, and when, when you meet with a family that is grieving, um, you can tell the difference between a family who personally knows Jesus and one who just sort of knows about Jesus. And there is comfort and there is hope that is like what we just sang about, that living hope in the Brooks family. And, and it, is, it is wonderful to see. So we are going to grieve, we are going to pray for them, um, but we don't grieve like the scriptures say without hope, um, especially for a family that said we follow Jesus. What I'd like to do is uh, just as part of our prayer time, just take some time to pray for them. I'm going to actually give you some silent time so that you can either grieve and pray for yourself or as the Lord leads you, pray for the people that come to mind in the Brooks family. As I said, Tim's mom is grieving, actually having lost her third child uh, that she has buried. So you can be praying for for Tim's mom in particular. Um, But again, he had siblings as well and he had a great deal of friends. And I know you have walked with him for a very, very long time, some of you. So, pray for the other people in this room as well. Ask the Lord to lead you in how to pray when you don't know how to pray. And then, when you still don't know how to pray, trust that He is praying on your behalf because that is also what Scripture says. So, let's take some time and quiet. Griefs before you. We are grieving the loss of a friend and brother, we are grieving for ourselves. And it's compounded by grieving for a sister. For her kids. For grandkids. For a circle of family members who have lost a loved one. Lost a brother. Lost a son. For a wide circle of people who lost a friend. Lord, you said you would send the comforter. We recently just looked at those scriptures and what Jesus had in mind by the term comforter, the term helper, would you apply that fully to those who grieve? so that people know the experience of a friend who sticks closer than a brother. So that people know the experience of one who carries burdens. I pray that the Comforter would remind and speak of hope to those who need hope. And I thank you for the hope that we have in Jesus that death is not final. That you are the conqueror. And that along the way, you don't just point to the end. You say, I'm here in the moment. So Lord, I pray that both of those realities would come to bear this morning on those who grieve. Would you walk alongside and be the God of comfort and the God of all hope? Thank you that you share yourself with us and that you have been, as Isaiah said, a man acquainted with grief. You weren't sheltered from it and you aren't sheltered from it now. So thank you that you come and even grieve alongside. I I pray that you would guide each person in grieving well. And in their grief, may they meet and find you. We thank you for the times that we had with our brother. And we anticipate more times with our sister. Would you bring her healing and help? Thank you for the renewal that you are doing in her. Thank you that you are sustaining Lori. Thank you that you are opening her eyes to hope, even in the middle of loss. Would you guide people, guide us, in how to support her and support this family in prayer and in presence, and in the ways we go about serving them, whether it's a phone call, a card, a meal, a coffee where we just sit and listen, would you make us people who listen for you and speak hope? Speak hope that doesn't undermine or or cancel out grief, but speak hope in the middle of it. Make us people who speak the words of life because you've given them to us. Guide us in our prayers, Lord. I pray that the funeral service that comes together would deeply honor you. That it would be a time like we had this morning where we took grief and still said, there's worship to be done here. I pray it would be like David who when he lost child went into the temple. And worshiped. Lord, would you make us people who can worship in grief? Because you are worthy and you can be trusted even when we don't have all the answers. Your mercies are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Thank you for your word, Lord. Thank you that we get to meet Jesus. Thank you that you reveal yourself. Thank you for the promise that says, if we love you and obey your commands, you come, you abide with us, you live with us, you put your life in us, and you reveal yourself. Lord, would you reveal yourself to us this morning? Would you open the scriptures to us and open us to your scriptures that we might hear your voice? Would you give us ears to hear? May we not come simply assuming that we can hear. May may we heed the multiple warnings of Jesus where he says, anyone with ears to hear, listen. Lord, would you guide us? I thank you for the beautiful picture that we have in Scripture that we're going to get to today about you being the vine and our privilege of being the branches. Lord, would you make us people who bear fruit, fruit that pleases you, fruit that draws others to you, fruit that glorifies the Father, Lord, we welcome you among us. We welcome you into every corner of our lives, corporately and individually. We, we once again acknowledge the words of Jesus that apart from you, we can't do anything. But implicit in there is a promise that through your life in us, there is a lot more that can be done. We're not bringing anything to the table, Lord, but that doesn't matter. Thank you for what you offer us. Thank you for the life. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for sending him. Thank you for giving of yourself. Lord, may our lives be good responses of gratitude and worship for all that you've done. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you grab your Bibles and go to John 15 for me, please? This is a familiar passage, but it has some punches to it that um, we can very easily overlook. Um, And there is a punch here, and we are going to talk about it. John 15, starting at verse 1. Jesus is speaking, and he says, I am the true vine, and my father is the, my translation says vine dresser. Yours might say gardener. He's the one working. Verse 2, every branch in me, that's us, and the vine, you are the branches, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, so that it might bear more fruit. Now you are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Remain in me your translation might say abide, abide in me. It's, it's the idea of residing, dwelling. It's, it's a dwelling word. I, I remain, I abide, I dwell in my house. Right? That, that's That's the word being used here. Remain in me, abide in me, and I will in you. Just as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself, but must remain in the vine, so neither can you, bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. The one who remains in me and I in that one bears much fruit for apart from me you can do nothing. This is the word of the Lord. We thank God for his word. Where would we be without his word? More and more I I'm opening the scriptures in my quiet time in the morning and I'm saying, Where would I be without this? I don't know. I'd be hooped. So we this this is not a religious activity when I say this is the word of the Lord. This is a reminder. Thank you for your word, God. Back in the summertime when Chantelle and I headed back to Ontario for a visit to family, um, we, we try to make it a habit of getting away for a day or a, a night or a couple of days, just the two of us. We, we leave the kids with what I sometimes call the free babysitters, the grandparents. And, and we got away. And so Hamilton is, is just about an hour away from Niagara Falls. Uh, just um, between Hamilton and Niagara Falls is an area called Niagara-on-the-Lake, and this is the wine region. Um, and so we we got to a sort of a nice hotel there, close to some vineyards and one of the things that we did was we went and toured um, a winery and so we we got to see firsthand some of what uh, actually goes into the process of making wine. It was really interesting. Um, we, uh, as we started our tour, there was a, a young guy. He, he couldn't have been more than like a year over legal drinking age. But for some reason, he was, he was giving wine tours, which was really interesting. And as soon as we get to the, the first um, set of vines, um, I'd never really seen these up close and personal. But it's this, um, they're not quite a trellis anymore. It's more like uh, a set of wires that they set up on posts and they stretch them along. And so we get there. So the vines are, you know, about this high so. And um, so the, the vines grow up. And then as they're, they're growing up, the the people who take care of them are, are sort of encouraging them to, to grow over and around the wires, the trellis, as, as it grows, uh, as it goes along. And so we, we get there. And he's, he's just starting to talk to us about how they're stretching these wires for a really long distance, and here's how they do it, and that kind of thing. And all of a sudden, this older guy comes over and uh, he says, We're gonna need you back inside. Uh, I'm gonna, I'll take over here. And, and the, the young guy, who's probably 19, 20, looks over at, at us. It's just a group of five or six of us in. He says, Guys, you just got upgraded. This is the owner. So that was really cool. So the owner took over our, our tour and he walked us through the whole thing. It was a lot of fun. He had grown up on, um, on this particular vineyard. His parents had come from, I believe, Germany and had, had moved to the region specifically to, to get into you know, farming, but you know, um, looking after vineyards. And so he grew up with it, and then when he went to school, he actually went away to study um, how wine is made and study the process and the business and the guild. I don't really know this stuff. But anyway, he did, he and his brother together, and then they took over the family business. And then they started um, not just um, being the farmers, raising the crops, but then actually making the wine themselves. And so they created the the winery out of what had just been a vineyard where they sold the, the grapes then to wineries. So it's really, really interesting to hear that. So anyway, we, we got to know the owner. And, and we're being introduced here to the owner of the vineyard in chapter 15. And that's, that's worth paying attention to. Our, our status felt like it went up when the owner toured us around the vineyard. The owner here in scripture is paying careful attention to his his vine and his branches and his crop. God pays special attention to you. He's not farming this out to someone else. Right? The process at work in your life is being not just overseen, it is being done by the owner. He cares that deeply for the work in your lives and that deeply for the unique fruit that he wants you to produce. And he oversees that himself. Now, as as we got to the, the vines and the owner comes over, the first thing that he does is start tearing Stuff away. I'm like, what are you doing? But he, he's, he's tearing stuff away. It's all this green stuff. He's not tearing away dead stuff. He starts tearing away all of these leaves and just ripping them and throwing them to the ground so that he can actually show us where the grapes are. And he, he said, he, you guys might be shocked by this, but he, he, he said, I'm tearing all of this green stuff away because I need these grapes to get oxygen and light, and there's stuff that grows up and gets in the way. Interesting. He's tearing away branches without fruit. But they're green. They look good. Think about that, friends. What's verse 2 say? Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. Not every branch that is dead. Every branch that does not bear fruit And this is a stark, stark warning to the followers of Jesus to make sure that you are, in fact, in Jesus to the point that there is fruit, because if not, there is high risk. And I'm not going to soften that for you at all. In fact, I'm going to show you some other scriptures that underline this very point because the followers of Jesus need to hear it, okay? Second Corinthians 13, verse 5, Paul says to the church, he isn't talking to unbelievers, he's addressing the church. Yes, I hear flipping pages. Please do go there. Second Corinthians 13, verse 5, addressing people who have said they believe in Jesus enough to come to a worship service to hear the letter that Paul wrote to them as part of their corporate worship. Very likely people who have undergone baptism, very likely people who earlier on in that service received communion, the body and blood of Jesus. And he says to them, Examine yourselves to ensure that you are, in fact, in the faith. Make sure. And then he goes on and says, don't just even look at yourself. Test yourself. Interestingly, he doesn't tell you how. And I will leave that for you. Test yourself. Are you in fact in the faith? It's a punch in the head, and it's vital once in a while to get punched in the head by scripture because it's that serious. Are you in the vine and producing fruit? If not, there is high risk. Revelation 3 twice in Revelation 3, to two different churches. Jesus says, to one, you're lukewarm, and because you're apathetic, I am about to spit you out of my mouth. Not one day when I return, and I gather everyone in front of me, we're going to have an evaluation. It's nearer than that. I am about to spit you out of my mouth. So be earnest and repent. Earlier on in Revelation 3, Jesus addresses a different church. And he says, you have the reputation of being alive. Your vine looks really healthy. But you're dead. Those are his exact words to the church at Sardis. You have the reputation of being alive. To the people in the worship service, you look like you're part of the vine and doing well, and you have the reputation of being being alive, but you are, in fact, dead. There's something about... Coming I mean, to church. There's something about going through religious activities, whether it's prayer, whether it's reading scripture, whether it's serving the poor, whether it's it's giving to others, whether it's participating in a small group, whether it's whatever it is, there, there's something about religious activities that always um, provides the opportunity to deceive ourselves that what we have done is enough. That we end up relying on it. We end up telling ourselves that "I'm, I'm good. There's actually high risk in attending a worship service, in being part of a church, because we deceive ourselves so easily that these religious activities are actually what Jesus wants. And what Jesus wants is a life of abiding that produces fruit. And we can so easily get into the religious activities that look alive. We can raise our hands in worship, right? We We can put money in the offering plate. And we, in the very process, put ourselves at more risk and deceive ourselves. So it's a stark, stark warning. Examine yourselves. Please, please, friends, examine yourselves. Is this a living relationship with Jesus that is producing fruit? Not producing religious activities. Is it producing the life of Jesus in you? please check because Jesus warns many will say to me on that day when I show up and there's the evaluation, did we not do this and this and this? And it includes things like miracles in your name, perform miracles, cast out demons, all of this stuff. And Jesus will say, I never knew you. You did good stuff and it amounted to absolutely nothing. Please be careful, friends. There's so the owner gets gets rid of the bad stuff, right? And that's an ongoing process. So he's getting rid of getting rid of branches that are dead. He's also getting rid of branches that aren't producing life. Right, more life, fruit. When we were on our tour, what actually happened next was after he ripped away the green stuff, he showed us grapes on the same vine. And some of the grapes were really big, and some of the grapes were small. And he started ripping off the grapes that were small. Like, what are you doing? Isn't the whole point to grow grapes? And he pulls off the grapes that are small, and he holds them up, and he says, just, you know why I do this? I want all my grapes to ripen at the same time so that they will all be ready for the harvest at the same time, so that when we go through, we harvest all of them at the same time so that they will be of the same sort of um, consistency, size, etc., to produce the right kind of wine. So he pulls off not only dead stuff, not only stuff that looks alive but isn't actually going to be helpful, he also will pull off stuff that is good fruit but isn't good enough. So look at your lives, friends. Are there times where you see God actually not only pruning away the stuff that isn't helpful, but even stuff that is good? And you don't understand it. Lord, why would you take this person out of my life? Why would this relationship go? Why would this particular thing happen when all of that was good? Why why would you take good things for me, God? You're the giver of good gifts. What's going on, Lord? He's pruning. He's pruning. Pruning is not just taking away bad stuff. Pruning is also sometimes taking away good stuff so that there will be more and better fruit And, and so I, I encourage you, friends, as you look at your lives. You know that you remember um, Wizard of Oz? There's a scene in The Wizard of Oz where Dorothy reaches for an apple on a tree and the tree slaps the, Dorothy's hand. It says like get lost kind of thing. But I think there are times where we kind of tell God's coming to do some pruning and we slap his hand away. Parti- learn, let us learn to participate in the pruning process. Let us trust him that he knows better than we do what fruit should stay and what even good things in our lives need to go. And let's stop slapping the hand of the gardener. So I I encourage you in your own life to, to do some prayerful reflection on, Lord, what have you trimmed away or what are you attempting to trim that I'm sort of fighting you on? and help me to trust you in the process. I'm not going to spend much time on verse 3, but it's an interesting verse. He says, um, you are already clean. So he's speaking to the disciples, right? You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken over you. It points back to chapter 13, where Jesus washed the feet of the disciples, and he said, I have washed you. I have cleansed you in this process. But then he makes this interesting remark, right? Uh, And you are clean, though not all of you. And then what happens? Judas has to go. There's a pruning that takes place even in that. It'll happen here too. Verse 4, remain in me and I in you just as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself but must remain in the vine, so neither can you unless you remain in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. The one who remains in me, who abides in me, and I in that one will bear much fruit apart from me. You can do nothing. Can we pause with the Lord here for a moment? Because this is about abiding with him. Friends, the Lord invites you into relationship. He invites you into relationship, not into religious works. The Lord invites you to know him personally and have his life produced in you personally. Abiding goes so far beyond a quiet time. This is not a passage about... a quiet time. I I seriously doubt that you will have much of a life of abiding in him without a quiet time, because it's the the times of quiet where we focus on that relationship and he speaks and we respond and we speak and he responds and, and so on as we take the scriptures, as we enter into prayer, as we move into worship, as we have our confession, etc. 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 Right? But abiding is not a quiet time. Abiding is a whole life. And what Jesus invites you and I into is a relationship that that is for every single part of our lives. He doesn't want 20 minutes of your life. He wants your whole life. And he's not going to give you 20 minutes of his life because he's already made himself available for every single part. The Lord is inviting you into relationship with him as you travel to work. The Lord is inviting you into relationship with him as you meet for coffee with a friend who is grieving. The Lord is inviting you into relationship with him when you clean your house by yourself. The Lord is inviting you into relationship with him as you discipline your children. The Lord is inviting you into relationship with him as you shovel your neighbor's walkway. There's not a part of life that is your life that God does not claim and say, that's mine, and i want to be there with you abiding is about relationship it is about with and so often people have taken quiet time as really study time and study time is about it's not automatically with the lord invites you to be with him the lord is wanting you to invite him to be with you i and you and you and me that it's the mutual exchange which is why religious works are so deceptive, right? Because religious works are for, and we say they're for God, but really so often, if it isn't with, it ends up actually being for ourselves. Religion can be so, so deceptive, friends. It must be with. Are we going to be with him? Are we with him in the moment here now? where you are not so much listening to Ben's words as what the Spirit puts within you. It's not so much the act of sitting here with attention at the person at the front so much as, what does the Lord have for me out of this? Can we learn to participate with him in all aspects of life? And the more that you can do it here and now, where you say, this isn't me here in my chair and Ben there at the front, that there's the Lord here in between us working, the more that we can pay attention to what he's doing here and now in the moment, the more that you will learn to pay attention to him as you are vacuuming and raking your leaves. It is always about with. Will we learn a life of ongoing abiding with, with him? A word for those of you who are, oh man, that's fast. Okay, a word for those of you who are doers. You express your faith, your your life is an ongoing series of activities, you express your faith and even your love for the Lord in doing, this is not poo-pooing doing, not at all. But don't just make it for, make it with. As Jesus did, so uh, especially for the doers. But would all of you please go to John eight, John eight, verse uh, verses twenty eight and twenty nine. I'm just going to go the second half of that verse. And Jesus says, verse twenty eight, second half: "I do nothing on my own. I'm not operating by myself in the moment, people. That's what he's saying." I do nothing on my own, so I'm with, as I'm doing. But I speak, I say these things, and I'm working as the Father has instructed me. He's receiving ongoing instructions from the Lord. He who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do the things that are pleasing to him. He's doing the things that are pleasing to him as the Lord is with. It's not one or the other. So those of you who are really contemplative and mystical and you just love quiet time and prayer time and, and the, the, the one-on-one exchange with God, bless that, but that still needs that, that life still needs to go into the doing and we still do with. Okay. For those of you who really struggle with um, the quiet time, I do want to encourage you a vine grows on a trellis. You will get very few and very ugly grapes if that vine just grows on the ground. You need supports in your life that will nurture the life of God. You will need rhythms and practices, disciplines and accountability, people, supports, activities, etc., to help you produce more life, right? So you do need a quiet time, as well as a whole variety of other disciplines. And they need to show up on the calendar. Our priorities always show up on the calendar. I'm going to end with this. Chapter 1. Opening chapter of John. John. Some disciples of John the Baptist uh, see Jesus. John the Baptist points them out, says, this is is Jesus, this is the Lamb of God. And And two of John the Baptist's disciples look at him, and they start following Jesus, and they say, Master, where do you abide? Where do you remain? Same word as John 15. Same word. And Jesus' answer to that question is his invitation to you. Jesus says to them, come and see. Come and see, friends. It's an invitation to you. Come meet this Jesus and let him show you the life that he has for you. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you so, so much for your word. I thank you for the incredible privilege of life in the vine, of you willing to give your very life to your people that we might end up seeing fruit produced that didn't come from ourselves because we got life that didn't come from ourselves all because You were in us and we were in you. And the beauty of that dynamic is that you work through us and do something that is more than us. Lord, I, I pray for a multiplication of that to happen in our lives. I pray that every doing would be with, that every time with would be for even the sake of the doing, that there might be fruit, that you would be pleased. Lord, would you guide us in testing and examining ourselves to make sure that your life is in us and we are producing fruit. Not have we prayed a prayer. Not have we been baptized. Can we see fruit in our lives? Lord, would you reveal it to us? And if not, would you please show us and guide us in the invitation, in the response to the invitation of come and see. Thank you that you are a come and see God. Thank you that you care enough about us to give us a hard word and an invitation at the same time. Lord, you are so, so good. We love you. Thank you for your life in us. Thank you for the gift of your spirit. Thank you that the Father, the Father of the universe is so personally involved in our lives that you don't outsource your work. Thank you for the dignity that you give to us of working on your people because you are invested in us. Lord, may we give you good return on your investment. Knowing that apart from you, we can do nothing. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. If you want some prayer, um, having heard the words of Scripture and you don't feel like you really have that assurance that you know Jesus and he knows you and there is fruit and you want to do something about it, please come talk to us. Please come pray. If you're struggling with migraines as well, I'd be happy to pray for you. The word came to mind. Here's the benediction. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you this week. In Jesus' name, amen. Peace, friends.